Hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Well, we're broadcasting from our Skipcast headquarters in what appears to sound like a giant aluminum tunnel. I apologize for the sound quality on the intro. Uh, what a month it has been for us here at Skipcast and on the wild rivers of adventure. Thousands of new listeners, tens of thousands of listens, and of course, I want to thank you for joining us on this nostalgia lace trip back along memory lane. Or memory river. You get the analogy. I don't have to explain it. So we've got a few uh, new things going on over at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S. We're starting to give daily updates of vintage and historical photos, videos, and other information regarding the Jungle Cruise, Tiki Room, Adventurers Club, Adventureland, and Disneyland in general. Every day we're trying to bring you something fun uh, to start your day with, so swing on over and give us a like. We also have just wrapped up some amazing new recordings, and every other week you'll have something new and wonderful in your podcast queue. We can always be found on iTunes, so please feel free to subscribe to us there. But our last 10 episodes are always on Stitcher Radio for your iPhone or Android device. It's a good place for the skipper on the go. Now this week is the first half of a two-part episode with skipper Carrie Yanazzo. Carrie joined the jungle in 1976 and stayed until 85. He did a lot of important time as a foreman and as a trainer in Adventureland and Frontierland, but he has a memory for stories that is just unbelievable. There's really some great stuff here. You know, for many I spoke with, he's best known for his time as a coach on the jungle softball teams. So here we go, season four, episode 13. We just call it The Coach. Kungaloosh, everyone. normally do this but with skype i lose track of things and, and can oh no problem but yeah we'll talk people and all that stuff so uh no actually uh carrie uh, just making sure ian not in nazo or Ianazio? yeah not so yeah okay i totally yeah. uh just carrie because uh, we're disney no carrie of course i'd skipper <laughs> carrie because you're never not a skipper uh that's right it's one oh of the, man i was i was oh you were a skipper because you have no idea <laughs> um, I did 12,642 trips on the jungle. But it's funny, you weren't counting. And that was the really good thing, is it didn't feel like you were... <laughs> like I you counted were. from day one, because, um, well, this I don't know if we're recording or not, but I'm just going. Oh, um, yeah, you know, no, it's, anyway. it's, it's, it's recording, yeah. Okay, well, see, when I, uh, when I first started, my first day on the jungle cruise, uh, 1976, and I went all the way to 1985, and uh, a guy named Ken Raglan, that's what his name is, I liked him. He mm -hmm. counted, and I asked him, I said, you know, was that really 10,000 trips? He goes, oh, nobody ever counts because nobody ever thinks about it on the first day. And he goes, <clears throat> excuse me, he goes, who are you? I said, I'm Gary. It's my first day. He goes, oh, really? 
you got to count. So I started counting. So I went around and, you know, my first day, you know, that was like training. So I waited till my first day. I started counting. And then, well, I'd say my second hour on the ride, uh, one of the supervisors, Joe Petaluga, leaned in and said, uh, you know, it doesn't sound good when you're saying like trip number 10 or trip number 11. He said, why don't you wait a little while? Keep counting, but just don't say it out loud. <laughs> so I said, okay, fine. And I just ended it. If you left this trip, my name is Carrie. And if you didn't, my name is Joe. And I just changed it right there. <laughs> so, Cause he always gave me a bad time. Did, did you, did you ever uh, put the numbers back into your spiel? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, on my 10,000th trip, I had this crew. I went in and I said, well, it's my 10,000th trip. I'm going to give you the old spiel when they had the two rhinos, not the, the jungle scene, you know, the gorillas. Right. And I went through it and I did the old spiel. I come around, they threw the switch, put me through the secondary, and I went and did 10,001. <laughs> Excuse me, with the same group. Yeah. Yeah. So they never gave me a chance to enjoy 10,000. I had already done 10,001. But the group, oh, man, it was, I was lucky. I had a great crew of people. Who, you know, we don't know who they are. And, yeah, but they, man, they were laughing that. like crazy. Well, I did two different spiels. Yeah. I had probably five different throughout the time. Yeah. And my favorite was the wow spiel. You had the people on Sundays, mostly from Mexico, but, you know, they didn't speak a lot of English, and they're always going, mira, mira, and everybody else is trying to hear everything. So I changed my spiel, and... You know, I say on the right over here, you know, is Smiley, the granddaddy of Mullen. And I go, hee hee, wow. And I went through the whole jungle. Every time I threw a line out, I would say, we had some high biscuits and some low biscuits. Yeah. But, but <laughs> wow. I got to tell you, my favorite version of that joke, I had not heard it before Don Bob's. Uh, Don was the high biscuits, low biscuits, and he paused and pointed down and said, and there's the sea biscuits. Yeah, that one's gone around forever. <laughs> And we, uh, when we got back to the dock, I'd always tell, and this was days where people would just sit there and never crack a smile. They'd never say anything. And every boat that I had get off would be going, I said, I only got one thing left to say, but you, I guess you'll, you'll never guess it. And they go, huh. and every, the whole boat goes, wow. And all the rookies on the dock, they say, what are you doing to get a response? I can't get anyone to even laugh. Yeah. And I go, I don't know. Just, you know, wow. And they'd always freak out, and I'd always have a good group. You so know, I, I always think the re I always think the repetitive jokes are, are the best. There's a reason why. Like one of the ones that um, I think that people who haven't, uh, who don't necessarily have great comic timing, one of the ones that they pick up on is they get to the the Bengal Tiger, and of course it's you know uh, can jump uh, forty feet, but don't worry, we're only twenty feet away. Uh, and then he, you get out to like the elephants, oh, those elephants, but you know, they, they can jump 40 feet, but you know, don't worry. They're only, you know, so I, you know, but well, I like the tiger because he had Betty Davis eyes. Oh, oh, that's a good reference. And of course, well, and Ganesha, mm -hmm. the right there was the winner of the Howard Cosell lookalike contest. See, and that the old references are always it the best. Always got to laugh. It always got to laugh. Well, I, I I always threw my sports one in, and that was, uh, you know, that that the don't worry about the tiger. It it really uh, really can't ever do anything right because it's a, a a Cincinnati Bengal. <laughs> 
That's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so let's see the, the what you do on the what you do on the uh, elephants. Uh, the bathing pool. Sure. You know, I'm trying to remember. That's the. I've been actually out. I've been out. Uh, I'm now out longer than the amount of time I worked there, uh, which was a weird thing for me. I just hit my like what my uh, hire date would have been, and I've I've been gone seven and a half years after working seven and a half. So it's a really weird point to be at where now I've been gone longer than I was there. Um, you, you know, I worked nine years and I've been out thirty, but I still tell you that they always have their trunks on mm-hmm. and Harry Elefante is singing his number one hit song I'd like to wear my mother's girdle if I only had the guts wow <laughs> Harry Elefante that, that's a solid solid. It, it's funny because um, I want to I, actually I want to roll back the Wayback Machine let's go to 76 that was uh, okay. that was the Bicentennial now were you were you there in July when they yes. had um, the other the story sk- was great the we, parade was fabulous. We had another skipper who worked that summer. He was a, a seasonal for the summer in seventy five, seventy six, named Kevin Cavanaugh. And Kevin, uh, well, see, I, I, if, if he's tall with red hair, I remember. Yep, that's him. And uh, he actually—he wow. actually—I'll email them to you. He sent me a picture, a copy of the Jungle Line from nineteen seventy six. So we wow. actually have the entire, all the skipper stuff from that year. So I'll make sure I pass it on to you. Um, yeah. Did you know that I was responsible for an underground newspaper? Now, which one? We, was it Jungle Drums? Trader Sam's Headlines. Oh, okay. See, there's been a couple uh, over Trader the Trader Sam's Headlines was, wow, probably the most controversial one ever published because we snuck it in, put it everywhere just one time. And pretty much ripped everybody, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew who did it. Nobody. It was went around for a long time. Uh, almost uh, eight months after we did it, one of the one of the three of us that were involved uh, actually admitted to supervision when he left on his day that he quit. Mm-hmm. Which didn't help me a lot because I was still working. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. The Trader Sam's headlines. Adrian Poyer. Bernie Francis and myself uh, were the ones who came up with the lines, and some of them were uh, pretty good, and some of them were pretty racy. Well, that's you know that's I think the um, the the more that I've learned on the history of it, there definitely has been uh, the reputation that Jungle Cruise skippers get is very well deserved. Let's put it that way. Uh, actually, it's a, yeah, there are a bunch of rookies. You know that. <laughs> uh, it's actually the the thing I've got. It's a the Disneyland line from January eight, nineteen seventy six. Uh, wow! And that actually, I have the cover to cover pictures of the entire thing, uh, and then I have the nineteen seventy five Jungle Cruise Adventureland T shirt. Uh, wow! Which is the the gorilla, and then uh, somewhere I've also got the logo for either seventy five or seventy six. The um, the softball team had a very provocative uh, nickname, a very provocative team name, and uh, I'm not going to put. But it's. Uh, were you aware of what some of the, the softball team names were when you were there? Uh, the Gonads. Okay, that's. I had not heard that one. Yeah, the Gonads. Uh, Mark Linehan, who's fast, uh, um, who, he came up with that name. I love that one. They were the Nads, and everybody yelled Gonads. Wow. It may, uh, we it, were the NVJCC. Mm-hmm. 
And that is because they had the Friday night uh, Jewish community center from the middle of LA that would come in and they were the worst crowd ever in the history of Disneyland. And uh, we, we liked that so much that we incorporated their name for like three years into our uh, Jungle Cruise uh, softball team. The, um, yeah, they've got, I little... ran our own diet. We became Adventureland after that. They, they, they became a little safer lately. It's been the, uh, uh, the short bus skips or, uh, hit it skips. There's been a couple that, that are a little Nowhere. more, a little more, uh, sorry, short, short boat skips, not short bus. Um, yeah, we had some great guys. Tom Meslovich was our center fielder well, and, uh, and that's actually... Jim Shuttler was our pitcher. Yeah. Darren Daniels was our shortstop. Doug uh, Nordquist was our right fielder. He was an Olympic high jumper. And Doug was Doug in was the at, LA Olympics. Doug was at the party. Yeah, he was. Uh, I actually got to see the video of him uh, taking his his uh, run after his silver medal. I want to say it was after his high. He jump. would play. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, hold on. He played just... softball with us, and he jumped up, and was practicing in the outfield catching balls, practicing high jumps. Yep. Scaring us to death. Yeah, he was pretty he good was, too. We had some good teams. Well, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna refresh it. We talked about this a little bit beforehand, but um, we I was uh, invited last uh, last year. I want to get the exact date. Uh, it was March of last year. Uh, I was invited out to Meslovich's house, and I was able to hang with a ton of the skippers from your era. So one of the things wow. I'm going to do, I'm just going to kick some names out. And if you want to throw like a good memory or, or anything that you want to do, because these are some great guys and they, they were really uh, classic. Ed Cunningham, of course, at the start of it. Ed's been a longtime fan of the show. Mr. Notre Dame. Yep. Great guy. He and Mark Kramer were good friends. Uh, I like both those guys. They were great. Uh, very funny. Very funny. I liked riding on their boats and we had good times with those guys and, uh, but I always called them rookies. See that new guys, I always call rookies. So. Well, Ed, Ed was just um, always a rookie. That was, you know. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a big banquet one year, um, and we did a film. I don't Have you seen the film, the Jungle I, Cruise film? I, I have with seen. With Jerry Whitfield, who does the Rod Serling imitation? Uh, I, I have seen Jungle Cruise, the movie. Um, there, <laughs> There is a very small piece of it on YouTube, but... Uh, I believe that, uh, and I'm not going to say who it is that, that also is behind that, but because of his current attachment to the company, I'm, I don't think that's ever going to come out in full uh, in its fullness. Um, oh, it was awesome! Yeah, and I, I we had a big showing, a big party, and they gave out awards too. And I got the Rookie of the Year award because I always called new guys rookies. Yeah. So they paid me back for that, and I still have that skull. It glows in the dark. Mm-hmm. I still have it. Well, that, that's but the exposure. That's that. the exposure to the jungle water. Uh, the longer you're oh, around, yeah. the more your skull glows. <laughs> Absolutely, you don't know what they've done in that water. Well, and I want to say that the one piece that's out on YouTube is the particular skipper jumping off the boat with a rubber knife and stabbing the hippos. Uh, that's Jim Shuttler. Yep, yep. And uh, he was my pitcher on my softball team. He was a terrific guy. Um, yeah. Super guy. He passed away a few years ago. One of my one of my favorite guys I worked with. I worked with him on canoes. Mm-hmm. I worked with him pretty much on every ride you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, on the, the west side. We're west side's best side. 
Yeah, and the West Side's good. And uh, I'll just run through a few. Uh, Dave Champagne, of course. Uh, oh, Champagne is hilarious, dude. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's great. Great, had a good uh, dry sense of humor, mm-hmm. and he had a good rhythm. I liked his I liked his uh, comedy because he had good rhythm, and he was very funny. His dry sense of humor uh, was was excellent. Yeah, and then uh, of course I sat down with with Jerry Whitfield and Jim Vest, and those guys were fantastic. Those guys, hey, they're vets. I tell you what, they, you know, they kept the people. They they really made a good effort on giving a good show, and it, it that's the best part of it. Uh, these guys that we still you know hear from and our friends on Facebook with, they cared about their job. They did a great job, and we had a great time with it. And you know that's the thing. It was special to them, and it was you know. I always remember being foreman on the junkers and everything, and these guys going by, and we always had a great time. And time flew when we were there. It was a lot of fun, even though, you know, we had some good times and bad times because sometimes these guys would come in and they'd change out foreman on us, uh, you know. And I remember working an eight-hour shift with uh, two breaks and a lunch, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the Chuck Abbott era. That yeah. was rough. Well, you know the um, the the period of time. I mean, anything in the seventies was really interesting because, and it's very well documented that um, after the Vietnam War ended, um, there was a huge influx of military ex ex military people who were came into the Disney hierarchy uh, in the management yep. roles, and it really changed the tenor of the park. I mean, it was a very different kind of a feel at that time. Yeah, they were they were really sticklers about uh, you know following you know the the what do you call it uh, hierarchy. Yep. Um, you had to go through the chain of command, yep. and they were very big about that. And uh, I was a union steward for Teamsters in that era, and some of the stuff I got called in on was just unbelievable. And they were not forgiving at all yep. in that respect. And you messed up, you're gone. And it was simple as that. And yep. you know that was the year where they started changing. Uh, going after the, and this sounds bad, but they were going after the people who were making the, the big bucks. You know, you're making the highest wage. They they wanted you to knock you down a little bit, and a lot of people left during that time. Yeah. So let's let's once again let's roll it back. What was um, when you came on in 1976? Where were you at in your life? Were you doing college or? I was in college, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I got a friend of mine recommended uh, me for the job, and my first day I spent eight hours working on the shooting gallery in Frontierland. I was going to quit. It was the worst eight hours I had. We had almost a full regiment of Marines come through, mm-hmm. and they were spending like fifty bucks a pop, and they just shot after shot. I worked my tail off. I went home. I told my parents, I said, that's it. I'm done. I quit. That was the worst job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I worked. You didn't. I mean, the breaks were so few and far between. It was a horrible job. Yeah. That that was eight hours. And I, I called them. That was on a Saturday. And I called them up on Monday. And they told me, they said, well, uh, you know, how'd it go? And I told them, I really didn't like it. And uh, Mike Marks was the supervisor. And he said, uh, how'd you like to work on the jungle cruise? I said, you got a deal. He said, come in tomorrow, pick up your spiel and we'll train you, uh, on Thursday night. So I had basically three days to learn this spiel. And it was, uh, it was 14 pages. 
and I learned it all. And it's interesting because at the time, you know, we I think we've kind of lost perspective because obviously, uh, especially since you know the '80s, but definitely you know the last 15 years, the Disney as a brand and company has changed so dramatically. But when you're looking at '76, you're looking at the park being open just over 20 years. And oh yeah, it didn't have the international cachet, and there wasn't that. Dis- I mean, Disney was a big name, but it wasn't. Um, it it wasn't as prevalent. I mean, you know, when Walt was around, there was definitely a different kind of magic about it. But you know, what what was your feeling about Disney at the time? Was it just a place to work, or did you have a magical attachment to the the brand and to Disneyland? Well, the first, pretty much the first four or five years, uh, the the feeling of Walt was still there without a doubt because uh, a lot of the old timers that were there told you stories about Walt and. Yeah. You know, they were, especially the guys over on Main Street, because he was there all the time. And they told us about, you know, some of the things that he did. Uh, everybody was first name. He was nice to everybody. I mean, he was just genuinely a nice person to everybody. And then they told some of the wild stories that went on on Main Street. And, you know, you got to find them to find those, because I'm not going to tell Walt's story second story. You know oh, I mean? no, no, of course but, <laughs> well, and, and but no, there are some good stories. And I've, I've, Don but, Don Bob's told me one of the, my favorite stories that when people ask me about the podcast, uh, but he told me this story about going to Disneyland when he was a kid in 1955, and actually being in the park with Walt. So I mean, it's it's kind of an amazing. Uh, yeah, he was all over the place, and yeah. uh, Steve Martin was there on opening day. Yeah, he was selling and newspapers. He was selling programs. Yep. Yeah, programs in front and. They have stories about the, you know, the asphalt being wet still and people sinking in for a little bit, whatever. And yeah, some of the great stories at the beginning. But in the seventies, you still had the feeling of Walt. It wasn't, you know, the the big corporation kind of feel yet. That came in the eighties, rock solid in the eighties, and with you know all the union stuff that went on. But you know, in the seventies, it was that first four or five years was just awesome. And that's fun. We still had the mine train. Mm-hmm. That was a fun ride and all this the people would come up and you had to weigh less than 175 pounds uh i'm going back further the mule train then the mine train okay the mule train let me go back one that was because i was there the last two years and they'd come up and best story ever happened i'm not going to pick on coral much i'm not going to say his last name but a uh, lady comes in and says uh, you know because i'm sorry ma'am but you have to weigh 175 uh, to ride on the mules. And she goes, Oh, I weigh 175. And he said, uh, really? Which leg? <laughs> and he got a complaint for that one. I could imagine. Yeah. And woo, well, he didn't get fired, but he did get a complaint on yeah. that one because he tried to be nice to her and she just, well, she wouldn't listen. And they had a scale right there. And a lot of them wouldn't even get on the scale. Yeah. You know, you knew they were over, but they wouldn't get on the scale. Yeah. I... So that was tough. And then the mine train, Wow, that was my favorite ride because yeah. I would sit on that ride and I'd sit a little bit higher and I could hit the spiel with my heel of my, you know, shoes. Yeah. And man, I just, it was fun. It was the most relaxing. It was the easiest money I think I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. The mine train, the jungle cruise, you had to work, you had to give a good show. Yep. But the mine train it was like the Mark Twain coast. It was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Well, and, and you have to uh, have that variety because if you're if if you spend nine years in the exact same place doing one ride, 
I mean, they they realize they've got to move people around because it's uh, you're going to get bored no matter where you're at for you know. Oh yeah. Even for a year, you've got yeah. to have some variety. And we always played tricks on each other and had a lot of fun. And you know, one of the fun parts about working at Disneyland are the movie stars that come in because mm-hmm. I've taken some people around. Dolly Parton. Yep. Uh, I took her around on the Jungle Cruise uh, one summer, and the next summer she came through, and I was on the Mark Twain. And she walks by and she looked at me and she goes, do you work on the Jungle Cruise? And I said, oh, no, ma'am, I, I only work here on the Mark Twain. And I had broken my name badge, so I wasn't Carrie, I was Larry. And Because they never gave you a same name badge if you broke one. I mean, it happens, you break yeah. them. And so I said, no, that's my twin brother who works over on the Jungle Cruise. And she started going, oh, I, he was on there last, I was there with him last summer. He's the funniest guy. I didn't have the heart to tell her it was me, but... Uh, she was so nice, and uh, she had problems because she had to go to the bathroom, and she went into the bathroom uh, over in Adventureland, and they were making her sign her autograph, and she couldn't go to the bathroom, and Dolly Parton says to me, she goes, all I wanted to do was pee, and I couldn't do that. I was signing autograph after autograph. Pretty soon, they were lined up out the door, and if it wasn't for the tour guide, I think I was going to die. And she finally took me below some place below the Pirates of the Caribbean, some employee restroom. And I was, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I could imagine that people could think that was the new attraction. It was, you know, it was uh, oh, wow. Dolly Parton's Country Bear Jamboree in the bathroom. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, you feel sorry for him because oh, yeah. she couldn't hide from anywhere, and none of the movie stars did. And you know, we I, I took around Wings, I took around uh, J- Jamie Farr, and you know, a couple of guys from MASH, yep. George K. Lee Merwin. These are oldie goldies. The number one star I took around the Jungle Cruise was Cary Grant. Yeah. Uh, and that's being a Cary. Yep. Yeah. Being a Cary, it was really special. And the tour guide's name was Cary, too. And she came up to me and said, uh, is there anybody funny here today? Because they would come up and ask. And I, I had to be honest because they were pretty much all new guys. And I said, no, nah, not today. You know, it's Monday and mo- Monday, you know, most everybody had it off. That was bet. And and she goes, would you take somebody around if, if I tell you who they are? And I said, I don't know. Who are they? And she goes, I've got Cary Grant with me. And so I said, oh, yeah, I'll take them around. No problem. I said, but I, I can't do it for three boats because, you know, you're bumping guys out and stuff. Yeah, and I was yeah. forming. And I said, ask them if they'll wait three boats. And and then we'll go from there. And so she goes over and asks him, comes back, and Cary Grant says, I'll wait three boats, but you better be funny. <laughs> How's that for pressure? He gets on and he says, how long have you worked here? And I'm talking to him, and the voice is just the same as you hear in the movies. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because it's Cary Grant, and he's talking like Cary Grant. I mean, he didn't make that voice up. That was his normal voice. Yep, I'm going, yep. Wow. And I told him I'd been working there, you know, about five years. And uh, he said, how do you like it? And we, we talked, and we're sitting, you know, at, in the exit moving up to, you know, load. And we had quite a bit of time. It was really cool. And I told him the best part of Disneyland, and I still believe this, is not the front, but what's behind the scenes that make things work. 
Well, <laughs> and that's the kind of cure you want to see. <laughs> well, since you and mentioned I, that, you you this is exactly the reason why for four years I've I've been doing podcasts. I think that's half the reason that people listen is because it, it is. I mean, everyone's seen what the you know the front of it is, but boy, everyone wants to uh, to take that turn to the back of the haunted mansion to see the great the pet cemetery or absolutely yeah absolutely and I you know I tell people I you know I used to train people on on different rides and we played hind go seek on the Pirates of the Caribbean so you get to know where all the utility spots were yeah uh, on the Jungle Cruise we'd go back and and the squirting elephant I we had one kid and unfortunately he was a little annoying. And he would ride everybody's boat to steal their jokes. Some guys did that. And one day I I just had enough of him stealing jokes because he wasn't funny. And he just, you know, some guys get on your nerves, unfortunately. So we went back and uh, I went to the back part. There were two of us that went back there. Uh, My good friend, Bob Shaw, and myself. And anyways, as he came by the little elephant, we held the button down and he always, you know, oh, here, you know, it's going to come up. He comes up and he goes, he would put himself in front of the guests and say, stand back, stand back. I'm a human shield. And the elephant would come up and it wouldn't squirt him. He goes, ah, I saved you. He must have been afraid of me. And I'm going, oh, man, that's lousy. So we hit the button. So when he went to do the human shield bit, we pushed it and it squirted him and got him soaked. And then we ran back to the dock to unload the boat. And he comes in, and they're coming in, and he's a the elephant's broken. I can't. The elephant is broken. It came up and it's quartered twice. <laughs> and you know, and I said, "There's no way that could happen." And he goes, "Yeah." I said, "All right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a dead end. We'll check it out." So we go around there. Of course, the elephant comes up. It didn't square. He goes, "I'm telling you, it's quartered twice." I said, "No, it doesn't happen. There's no way." I said, you know, I, I go. I think you just got it on the first one. It just didn't count right. I goes, well, okay, fine. So he goes around, gets another crew, goes out again, does the human shield bit, and we hit the button again and got him a second time. <laughs> and so then we're back unloading. He has no clue what it's us. We run back. We're we're unloading, and he goes, I'm telling you, it's broken again. The second it's squirreled at me. I'm sold. And so it was. We never told him. Never told him it was us. <laughs> and two nights later, we got him. Oh, it was best thing. He's coming out of the hippo pool, and you've got the the skulls, right? Yep. And and he used the line, "You can tell the which ones are the skulls of the women by the way they're stacked." I never liked that line. Uh, I never liked it. But yeah, he I, used I, it every time. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it fits. The, it's funny, but it may not be the right joke for the the ride. But it's funny. Yeah, and well, you know, the guys liked it, but the ladies didn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we were sitting, uh, we were laying in the canoe itself, and he put the spotlight, it was dark, very dark in that section, and as he put the, the light on the, on the skulls, we jumped up in the boat, and we screamed, and we went crazy. He screamed and dropped the light. He just screamed. We got out, we ran back again, and... We asked the people, so after he screamed, he didn't talk anymore. He got scared. He didn't say one word from, from that canoe back there to the dock. We scared him. It was great. So what you're saying is and, that as a foreman, you were leading by example when you, when you worked there. <laughs> hey, we were there to have fun, and everybody had fun. And oh, absolutely. He learned not to be obnoxious, and he sort of mellowed out after that. It been pretty good. You know? Oh, hey, Jungle Justice is an incredible training tool. 
You know, oh yeah. It's uh, someone comes back an extra ten minutes late from their break. They definitely are going to feel the wrath of the crew. The one thing that I guess I don't know that I I was known for was sinking the skiff. Mm-hmm. That, that that's. And and just uh, there's probably a lot of people who don't know the skiff was uh, kind of a small flattish boat with a little mini outboard that they would uh, that would be parked where you can't see it and then it, it's taken out when they need to do a quick repair and you know or get around or you know put a uh, well we we did spider webs uh, late in in August the spiders come out and they put webs on the animals since they really don't move a whole lot. Yep. And when the sun is going down, you can actually see the spider webs, a uh, reflection of the sun. So you have to go out with an oar mm-hmm. and knock the spider webs down. Yep. And uh, Bob Shaw and I went out one day to do that, and we were having a little fun doing, uh, you know, donuts around uh, Schweitzer Falls. And uh, we went around and we hit a couple of the spider webs. We were playing, but yet we were having fun. I mean, hey. And as we come back, uh, towards Schweitzer Falls on the back side, um, I tried to turn the boat, and it just wouldn't turn. There was something wrong with it. I don't know. The engine was having a problem. And uh, Bob turns around and goes, Carrie, Carrie. And I turned around and looked at the, the engine, and the propeller was out of the water spinning. So when I turned it, all it did was go faster out of the water. We had no control. Mm-hmm. We went right into the falls and sink. It's amazing how much water comes down that pole. Oh, yes. And it sank, I would say, 25, 30 seconds. Now, Bob's in the front of the skiff, and I'm sitting back by the engine. He got the brunt of it. I mean, it came down on his head, and he just got clobbered. And I was at the very edge, so I really didn't get much of it. You know, he got all of it. And we're standing there, and all of a sudden, Dave Thompson pulls up in his boat, and he goes, what are you guys doing? We're in the water. Bob's getting pounded on here going, Carrie. And I said, we're standing on the skiff. Mm-hmm. And just as I said that, the gas tank pops up out of the water. And Thompson was laughing so hard he couldn't say anything. And we're just, I'm standing on top of the skiff. It's under the water. So I said, let's go. Keep moving. We're not stopping. It's not a show. Keep moving. Let's go. Because I didn't want the ride to break down, and I didn't yeah. know what we were going to do. Because we're standing on the skiff. But I mean, but so, you were but you were far enough in that you weren't near any of the rails, right? You were kind of in between. We're the two. right between them. We are next to the falls. I mean, yeah. the falls and us are like parallel. Oh. You know, well, not parallel. We're in line. Yep. And we're just standing there, and I, I look at Bob, and he goes, "What are we going to do?" Meanwhile, another boat comes by, and another, they thought we were part of the ride. They had no idea what we had done. They all, the people were laughing. They come over. I had a guy shake my hand. I mean, they thought we were part of the ride. And then finally, on the flip side, Doug McMacken, uh, another, he played, he was my catcher on my, on my softball team in the Jungle Cruise. He comes by and he goes, what are you guys doing? I said, I'm, I'm standing on the skiff. And he goes, oh my God. I said, I'll tell you what, do me a favor, pull your boat up. We're going to tie it on the end of your boat and we'll drag it in. And he goes, well, that'll work. I'll go real slow. I said, perfect. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to jump up here and hold it so it doesn't unravel, which it would be a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bob, you lift up the back part and we're going to go real slow. I was the foreman. I didn't have to do it. So Bob lifted, I'm seriously, he picked up the bottom up. We tried to empty it, but it was too heavy. It was full of water. So he pulled up the boat so it wouldn't drag on the rail underneath the water. Bob is soaked. 
Mm-hmm. He's in the water. It's up to his neck. He's holding the bottom of the skiff so it doesn't scrape the rail and you know hurt anything. And we went from Schweitzer Falls, past the rapids, past the snake, past Trader Sam. Bob is in the water. I'm sitting on top of the boat. I'm in the back of the boat, which tied up mm-hmm. by the rudder. Bob, we go, we finally get back to the back. We open up the gate. We take it in the back area. We're both in the water. And Bob looks at me and says, hey, do you think we can get away with this? And as he said it, yeah, as he said it, we hear this, upstream, bye, just as he said it. And I looked down and said, no, not going to happen. And it was Scott Fleener, one of the supervisors. Scott's a great guy. And he said, what happened? And I said, it broke. I mean, we're heading, we're trying to get back to the, you know, take it back. And it broke. And he's going, yeah, right, uh uh-huh. And we basically took all the stuff, the tools out of it. We we turned it over and we actually righted it and and tied it off back there. And uh, what I didn't know is Dave Thompson got out of his boat, went down to uh, the in, not the in-between, but the pit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the pit stop, the pits, yep. and he yelled, carry, sink the skiff at the falls to everybody who was eating down there in the pit. <sighs> yeah, it, I mean, it. by the time we walked, and I'm telling you, squash, squish, 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 with the shoes mm-hmm. all the way over to wardrobe. Wardrobe already had a shirt and pants in my size waiting for me, and he said, so how'd you sink the skiff? It went across all of Disneyland, I would say within five minutes. It was the fastest news wire in the world. And everybody, hey, I heard you sink the skiff. Hey, I heard you sink the skiff. Yeah, I did. I did. So I changed clothes, and I walked back to the right. Now, I didn't have a second pair of shoes, so I'm going all the way back. I go up the stairs. or I went to the dock, and Bud Jesteson was the night foreman, and he had just gotten there. He said, well, they told me to send you up right away. I'm going, well, it's nice to know you, Bud. He goes, nice to know you, Carrie. And so I went upstairs, and we're sitting, in, and he told us to write a statement. You know, Bob and I are looking at each other going, oh, wow. So we're writing a statement what what happened, and I explained that I looked back, and the propeller was going. And just then, the phone rings. And Scott and I and Bob were sitting there, and he, he picks up the phone, and he goes, uh, Scott Fleener? And I go, really? Yeah, uh-huh. It was? Yeah, uh-huh. Hangs up the phone, looks at me, and he says, that was maintenance. They know that the engine is broken on the skiff, and the button that keeps it down into the water, is, is it just broke off, and that's the reason why it didn't stay down on you. <laughs> and I'm going, holy cow, we did it. We got away with it. And Scott says, uh, go back to the ride. Uh, what time do you go home? I said, I go home about 10 minutes. And he goes, go back to the ride. Don't worry about it. Not your fault. It's broken. Nobody knew how we did it. Mm-hmm. Bob and I went back to the ride. It's like hero worship almost. It was it was great. What happened? Nothing. Did you get in trouble? No. You get in fire? <laughs> no. Nobody knew how or why. All I said was, hey, you know, it's who you know. And I went home. <laughs> and the next, they freaked out. I mean, I got calls at home that night. I heard you sent us. I must have got 20 calls at home. How did you seek this? Are you still working? I heard you got fired. That was another one. I heard you got fired. No, we got away with it because 
it was broken. Yep. That now, been, if it had been broken, yeah. Yeah, that would have been the fastest beer opening ever when I when I had gotten home that night. That would be like, uh, let's just let's just have two or three we, ready just in case. Three or four. Yeah. I'm, oh man, uh, Bud was uh, Bud was on the show. We actually had Bud at the at, at Meslovich's place, and he came on and talked. He's, <laughs> he, he's great too. He's really fun. He's awesome. He lives in Colorado. Yep. Yeah. He came uh, down. The Air Force. For that. He, he's really big with the Air Force right now. He works for Hughes, and he works. He's a super guy. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Good yeah, foreman. I really, really liked him. Uh, he was my night foreman when I was day foreman, and mm-hmm. always took great care of the guys. It was a lot of fun with him too. And was there wow, a, was, was there a big, was there a big transition for you going from just a regular skipper? Uh, did you did you go through trainer to foreman, or did it jump all the way up to foreman at that point? What was the well, I, I started out as as a part time C, you know, casual. Yep. And I applied uh, to be a a, a C, and uh, there were like three hundred people who applied, and seven of us made it. And that was my first summer, so I was very lucky to make it my first summer. And Stan Blank uh, was my foreman, mm-hmm. and he was he was later a supervisor, one of the best ever. I'm telling you, Stan Blank. That guy, I were I never worked for a better guy than Stan. But anyways, he was great. Uh, he's the one who recommended me, and uh, you know I went. I became a C. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year, I applied to be a twenty. Hour, you know, every time I could apply, I applied. I became a twenty hour C. Uh, then I became a B. Uh, then I became an A. I was the first A. Uh, they had made an A in five years, and I went from B to an A, and I was the first one they made as an A. In five years, because they really want to do the 40-hour bit. So I was very proud of that because it took them a long time to make it. And mm-hmm. that was all because I was working on the jungle cruise and everything. And, uh, again, the supervision was good to me. Uh, I had uh, Larry Nunez. Uh, Frank, oh, what's Frank's last name? Oh, gosh. And his wife. Both of them were wonderful. I can't think of Frank's last name. I went blank. You know, the thing that, the the thing that never fails to amaze me is how we're talking about things that happened 35, 40 years ago. And, Absolutely. And everyone who I've talked to from your generation has this impeccable memory for names and people. I have a hard time remembering what I had for lunch yesterday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, there's so many. There were the stories. I had a kid. I had a kid come in. He was, he was like 18 or whatever. Great kid. His name was Shane. I won't tell you his last name. He was drunk. He mm-hmm. had been to a wedding that day and went to the party afterwards, you know, he was drunk. He came in behind the the Hawaiian uh, terrace and fell in the water. He was drunk. I sent him over to get changed. He came back and fell in the water again. And I told him, I said, why don't you go around front? He goes, oh, there's a parade. It's too crowded. You know, I, I got to, you know, don't worry about it. I'll make it. I'll make it next time. Don't, I'm fine. I'm okay. He fell in three times. Oh, my goodness. He was plastered. So the third time, I had him, I handed him his time card. I said, time's up. You're going home. Don't talk to anybody. Don't see anybody. Just go home. And he goes, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he left. And uh, he never got in trouble, but he never worked the ride because I wouldn't have let him work that way anyway. But, yeah, it was hilarious because he kept falling in the water. He could not cross the rocks. Uh, 
Well, and, 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 you know, luckily, in my, luckily in my era, they had already put in the, the the bridge there. They finally made it so there was an actual safe way to cross them. So. Oh, we love the rock. Yeah, stupid lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before yeah, we get, I, I had one guy. No, no, no. I got I got one more. No, no, go we ahead. Had a guy go who right. called him. We had, we had a guy. His name was Scott, and he called him Splash. Uh, he came in, turned in his time card, and we told him, "All right, go ahead and report." You know. To tickets, he turned around and walked right into the water, and we nicknamed him Splash. We still don't know why he walked in. He just walked right into the water. Hmm. Never see anything like it. Never see anybody else do that. Yep. So he he was nicknamed forever Splash. Uh. And and that was fun. The, the the hardest one for me of all the ones was a guy named Zero. That was we called him Zero. I'm not going to say his name. His dad worked at the park, and he mm-hmm. got to work. And this was on the canoes. And we nicknamed him Zero because that was his net worth to the company. And he could not paddle, could not steer. So he ran into the rocks. He ran into the native village. Not the village itself, but the weeds in front. Yep. He ran into the paddle wheel of the Mark Twain uh. while it was moving. He ran into two rafts. He ran into a keelboat. He almost ran into the Columbia, which wasn't moving. It was docked. Yeah. And he almost ran into that. They moved him to the Haunted Mansion. I was foreman on the canoes that year. And I also did the canoes, by the way. I ran canoes, the how, canoe races. How, how many uh, How many total attractions did you know in your nine years? No, oh, gosh. Um, I worked uh, – I did work uh, – Hard Mansion once, but that mm-hmm. was it. But Pirates, uh, Mark Twain, uh, Big Thunder Railroad, yep. uh, both uh, Pirates Caribbean, both of the uh, shooting galleries, Jungle, Tiki Room. Um, I did Parade a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's it. Mostly West Side things. Yep, that was it. I did I did work um, uh, submarines uh, once because the Jungle Cruise broke down. And then I worked an hour on the, uh, and this is my worst story, I think. Uh, I worked an hour on a small world. You know, there's and just, there's was, just that, some that, boat ride skippers aren't meant to ever work out. Well, when one of the guys on the small world ride pinched me and giggled, mm-hmm. I asked to go home. I wasn't going to work over there. Not, not my ride to work. Yep. Yep. And, uh, Oh, it reminded me of another story. One of the girls, cute girl, uh, storybook land girl, came over to Jungle Cruise and was having some fun, I guess. And she took the gun out of the holster and sat on it. And she was wearing a dress. Mm-hmm. So I went to get the gun, and I'm going at the hippos. And I go to get it, and the gun is gone. Yep. And, of course, he had lanyards, right? So I follow the lanyard. The lanyard goes under her dress. <laughs> I had to shoot hippos. I had, you got to, you can't go bang, bang. Of course, uh, you know, we used to trade, uh, one of the most fun parts about having a gun is we used to get blanks, real blanks. It was a Smith and Wesson, you know, and we would get real blanks. And you could always tell when somebody got, you know, real blanks instead of the ones they had, because there were like quarter loads and a real blank. You could hear it from all over the park. Mm -hmm. It was that loud. And we would like to once in a while trade out for that stuff. Anyways, I reached for the gun, and she's sitting on it. I went under the dress, grabbed the gun. 
I shot the hippos, and I blow in the gun. I said, boy, are you folks lucky I'm a world-famous crackpot. Uh, I mean, shot. And I blew on a gun because it was smoking. Yep. I twirled it, and I put it right back under her like nothing <laughs> happened. And she went, oh, it's hot! It's hot! Yeah, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. People roared when they saw that. Uh, and the next week, uh, a couple of us went over on the storybook ride and gave her a bad time. She was just having fun. And she was real sweet. But, yeah, we had a lot of fun there. I'll tell you what. One of the things that came out of Jung Cruise was the banana ball. Yep, banana ball is something that I have not stories. been able to explore in as much depth as I would like to. Uh, for everyone who didn't, oh. banana ball was the the summer uh, end of summer blow off. Was that when, when everyone was yep. leaving after end the summer of the season? Summer bash. Yep. I was uh, uh, Jim McCaffrey through that with Paul Ruiz and a bunch of others. Basically, uh, they always told everybody that they uh, you know gave all the money they made to uh, boys clubs, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure they made a hundred dollar donation here and there, but most of it was for them to make money, which mm-hmm. they did. Uh, it was like, uh, I guess if I'm trying to remember here, like 20 bucks, all you can drink. And I'm not kidding. They had like 35 kegs of beer and it was, everybody got plastered. Mm-hmm. I was the official greeter for three years. And basically I laid the people at the door. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I did was I put on a lay and I kissed the girls and shook hands with the guys. Yep, most of them. Some of the guys actually, yeah, they, they did that. And I said, ah, don't do that here. But yeah, they did. And but some of the girls, man, they laid. Whew, I couldn't breathe after some of them. They were woo. It was fun. And then I started going with a girl through the park, and that sort of ended that. <laughs> she didn't like me doing that, but. Yeah, I probably laid a couple thousand girls at the door. You know, that, that's imp- that's an impressive record. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar numbers. Oh yeah, it was it was awesome. They everybody had a great time. Everybody was nice. Uh, we had a couple of naked dancers. Uh, um, I'm trying to. I can't remember his last name. Jimmy, Jim, uh, did the snake dance. That was something else. And. Uh, it got wild. It really got wild. Thank, thank and, goodness know, that was. Drink, the more fun we had. Thank goodness that was before the age of you know uh, disposable cameras or or digital cameras or anything. It's there are some things that it's best are left in the jungle. Oh my goodness! A, oh, it was it was wild. It was wild, and the bands were always good. We had a great time. We did the Orange County Fairgrounds, mm-hmm. and I, I, at least a thousand people. I mean, they had. I think they sold about eleven 1, hundred tickets. Yep. Uh, one year and about a thousand fifty the year after that, and then about uh, twelve hundred. They had just cut it off after a while. I have uh, to. I oh, have to go, I have to go back. In one of the other episodes, someone actually played guitar at a. Ba- I want to say it was Pat O'Brien. Um, I'll have to go back and see. Yeah. There was someone who actually played. Got his start playing guitar back then. Um, so I'm he, pretty sure it was Pat because he yeah. still does that today. Oh yeah, it's Scorpions and cover course, band. Yeah, and uh, George Trollinger. George, uh, George he left is a the Jungle saint. Cruise. Yep, George is a saint. George left the Jungle Cruise and started working at Caesars. Not it wasn't Caesars. It was um, oh one of the casinos. Yep. Um, oh, I can't remember, but he he did Buddy Holly imitation. Yep. We went up and saw that. He was fabulous. Well, you know, he's still he's, uh, he's still rocking it. He he does his Ed Sullivan. 
for the Fab Four, the touring Beatles group, and he still does a Buddy Holly. And uh, George, I only let me tell you how great George is. When he was in town with his family, because he lives down in Florida, and they were at Disneyland, he took a full hour out of his schedule with his family and just left the park, came and sat with me at Trader Sam's and talked about Jungle for an hour, and then went back. On his only day at Disneyland, he gave up an hour to tell all of his Jungle memories. George is great. Well, the other day, uh, Sue B. Uh, went and saw him, I guess. I, I was just about posted, to throw Sue's name out and see what your, uh, oh, what your memories of Sue are. Funny. And, oh, gosh, we worked all over the place. And she was, she's so funny. And uh, she said she went and saw George, you know, in his act now. And he was still funny. And I said, well, he had a good trainer. Yeah. Okay. I was joking. All right. Because I trained George on the jungle. Uh-huh. And... Uh, George, what George said, uh, no, Subi said, yeah, he still uses some of your jokes in his act. And I'm going, holy cow. Yeah. I can't, you know, that surprises me. That surprised me because he's still using Jungle Cruise jokes in his act with Ed Sullivan. Well, it, it never, out. it never leaves you. I mean, it's, it's always there. That's part of the, it's part of the jungle. <laughs> it Once it gets into your skin, well, and, and you know, it's, it is a pervasive attitude that you have to have that, that, creates this energy and the people who are who it's in their system it never leaves and that's one of the things i love about what i'm doing is every single person i've sat down with whether they worked in the 1960s or 2014 you sit down with them you start talking to them and there's an instant immediate connection there's something that binds jungle cruise skippers together regardless of when they worked and you, there's something in common. There's something that you know. When you tell me going under the skiff and all that, you immediately already know that I'm going to get the reference. I'm going to know why it's funny. I'm going to know what everyone's reaction would have been because we've all had that experience together. Yeah, it's amazing. Some of the guys, though, I think it's uh, I think it's the people we work with because everybody has I don't know what you call like special people you work with. That, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have one guy, one guy I remember, Bo Burnett. Yes. Bo Burnett yep. could say anything, anything to anyone and get away with it. He would go up to a lady who weighed 300 pounds and say, Hey, lady, if I tell you I have a nice body, would you hold it against me? And she would laugh and give him a big hug. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say that to somebody who was gorgeous, and he'd give him a big hug. He could say anything. I, he was the most. He was one of the most amazing guys we worked with, and, and oh, um, he could say, "I've never seen a guy." And then, unfortunately, other guys would use his style, and, and some of the guys got in trouble for that. Yep. Yeah. Some people and, got it. Some people yeah. don't. You know, one guy. One guy. Uh, you know, uh, Bo threw out the line because people would come over from the Hawaiian Terrace, you know, and they'd be wearing those lays, and lady comes up and. Uh, Bo would say to the to lady, "Hey, it looks like you just got laid right over the microphone." And I'm listening to this. I'm forming, mm-hmm. and I went ah, 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 like this. And he goes, and a lady waves back at me and says, "Yeah, that's true. I just did." He would get away, and then uh, one of the one of the new guys, you know, didn't have the same style. Mm-hmm. Lady walks up, uh, and he's on rear load. And it is happening. I was not. I was not there that night. It was at night, and I was in the day. But he said, "Oh, it looks like you just got laid," and the lady did a complaint on him. He ended up getting fired. 
Well, because he just didn't have the same style. You know, discretion is the knowing your timing, knowing your audience is is uh, imperative to a long career. You know, you've got to know when it's appropriate and who it's going to work on. That and that's any kind of performance. I mean, that's yeah, comedy, magic, whatever, po- politics. You got to know your audience. So. When you were on the Jungle Cruise, Kyle, did did you guys have guns? Yeah, well, you know, the the second time I was there, we had guns. I was there in that weird period in the early aughts. Well, there's the end of part one of our chat with uh, Skipper Carrionato. We'll have part two back here in just two weeks, wherever you get your podcast uh, goodness from. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you soon for more adventures in Skippertainment. Kungaloosh, everyone.